Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Willow Talk. Great to have your company for another week. Adam Peacock here with Brad Haddon. Well, not here. I'm in one part of the country and Brad Haddon's still in Perth. He loves the joint so much. Hads, how are you? Very good. What a test match it was. Australia were clinical. Um, after that first day, I thought Usman Khawaja and David Warner set it up on, on a really, really difficult surface. And and as the game went on, they, they just got better and better. Pakistan showed some fight at times, but Australia were clinical. At times. And we'll go into those at times. And if it means anything, any glimmer of hope for Pakistan for the rest of the series, or does it look like it's going to be three zip and Davey Warner rides off into the sunset with glory in the rear vision mirror after we get to the Sydney test. So we'll review the first test in Perth. We'll go over our risers and fallers and that interesting little story that came up mid-test. I'd be interested in Hads' thought about how much it got talked about over there with another possible mini IPL and a second part of the cricketing calendar. And it's a big week this week on Willow Talk. On Wednesday, we're going to have a chat with Travis Head. On Thursday, we're going to hear from Elisa Healy, who's in India, head of the women's test, and have another round of Ask Hads. So, Hads, oh, we want no. everyone to get their questions in. You beauty. This is your favourite segment. <laughs> yes. Look at the smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of your fallers. Definitely no. that segment. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So, anything has it like... The, the, the question of last time we did it was the most village and it, it literally had me in tears, Had So see if we can come up with something like that, people, if we can. Nothing's off limits. Nothing is off limits. Uh, now, before we get into it all, be sure to follow us on social media. Just search Willow Talk in TikTok and Instagram. Hit us on the DMs if you want to get in touch with the show, like Riley Doran and Corey Allen, both Riley and Corey, <laughs> shared with us the clip of Dale Stain bowling heads in the second test of the 2014 series against South Africa. Riley says we'd be surprised how often that video comes up in his feed, Hads. We've got into his algorithm. Great. You know why? And as I've stated on many times, it should be used in the coaching manual as a perfect for defence after the ball hits the stumps because there's not a better position you can get into to stop the ball from hitting the stumps, but I was just about a, a week too late. I will say, Hads, it was the first thing, not disappointment for Mitch Marsh, it was actually the first thing that came into my head when he was clean bowled for 90 in the first dig. I was like, oh, that's a bit like Hads. Yeah, he was on 90. I was under five, I think, or maybe even a duck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Mitchie, loosened the shoulders there. But let, let's get the overall review. And maybe Nathan Lyon's hangover is not like we dwell on these things, but it's cleared by now, two days after. But how happy he had, firstly, from a personal perspective, because you know him quite well and you've known him for a very long time. How satisfied were you for a good mate that he, he got that moment? I was just extremely proud of him. Um, Nathan started his career in a really different way to, to a lot of other people started their test careers. He, he moved from Canberra, went down to, to Adelaide and, and played some 2020, had some success there with um, Adelaide in the 2020 competition, got the opportunity to go on a, a, a Red Bull Australian A tour off the back of that. Uh, and the next thing you know, he's walking a lift in Sri Lanka with Ricky Ponting and Mike Hussey there introducing himself. So it's a very proud moment. Uh, he's, he's had some tough days, actually, since the the, the Ashes. Um, that, that was his first major injury. He's 100 test matches in, in a row. And it is a pretty serious injury that he, he did to his calf. And, well, when he when he left, uh, Australia up 2-0. And, and all of a sudden, the, the sh- series changed um, in a totally different direction after he left. But... It is a really proud moment for not only him, but but his family. Uh, a young man 
uh, growing up in in Young, uh, making his way to the, to the top of the tree. And, and I tell you what, that looking at the shape he's in at the moment, there's a lot more cricket left in Nathan Lyon. We we know the great mm. Shane Warne's uh, numbers there. It, it's a, a bit far away at the moment, but don't write Nathan off to to give that number a nudge. You reckon? Because we did the averages, so. Nathan Lyon, say he plays four more years, that's around 37 more test matches, average of four per test match. You're looking at 148 wickets. That gets him to fourth on the list and just behind Jimmy Anderson. He's on 501 now, so Levi's, how good. But Warney's on 708. You reckon 708's in, in touching distance if everything, absolutely everything goes right? Well, with everything goes to, to plan. He's physically in great condition. He bats down at number 11. Uh, he fields at point. Maybe he can move to slips to look after his body a bit. But he's in great condition. And I don't see a finish line for him yet. I think I know injuries are a horrible thing. It happened to Mitchell Johnson. I remember when he blew his toe out and he had an extended period out of the game and he came back an absolute beast. Mitchell didn't meet. And we've seen that um, success in the 2014 Ashes. But I think Nathan's come back in a lot better physical condition. He spent a lot of time rehabbing that calf and on the couch some dark days watching the ashes, actually. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's um, out of the realms of possibility that, that Nathan could uh, get up there to warn him. Well, that probably fuels him, doesn't it? And you've seen it with some cricketers has, and you spoke of it yourself. You just wake up one day and you go, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'm cooked. But the very fact that he's in recent memory got it ingrained in his brain that he absolutely hated sitting down to watch cricket. Oh. So that tells you that he's still got that uh, that nowhere near empty on that tank gauge. Yeah, I, I don't think his wife had let him stop um, after seeing how he reacted on the couch for, for the, <laughs> those months watching the last three test matches. So sometimes it's – I know injuries are a part and parcel of, of any sport, but sometimes they can give you an opportunity to reset. Um, you, you can get caught up in the bubble of international cricket and, and you just get into the grind one series after the next and – it's not till you step back and have a bit of a break from the game, reassess where, where you're at with your, with your body and do some technique work and, and some maintenance work on, on your game. And Nathan had a great opportunity to, to do that. He sat back, he reassessed a, a lot of things in his preparation, um, which has always been first class. So to, to get that 500, mate, I tell you what, though, what an anticlimax that was as well. What about the goose? Um, is it Illingsworth? Feeling worse. Send yeah. it upstairs. Give it out. Let the Australian <laughs> public and Nathan have his moment. Mate, I know we've got to get to the rises and falls, and that's the top of my list. But, mate, that was plum hitting halfway up middle stump. Give it out, you goose. This is not Australia versus England. It's Australia versus Pakistan. And Nathan Lyon was on 499. Give it out. He might have been a little rattled by the fact that up the other end, Steve Smith got given out by the, the width of the varnish that I put on my back stairs about a, a few hours ago. And they thought, oh, maybe oh. We, we'll just kind of leave this one in the tank. Yeah, you're right. You're right. G- give him the opportunity to, to have it twice. So even if it's taken off him, he can celebrate the first time. Didn't count. Back to 499. And then eventually he does it. So anyway. I, I was on, on air actually with Jack Heffron and he did an outstanding Oh, belated <laughs> celebration for, for Nathan, but it was like a bit of an anti-climax. We're going, mate, give it, give it, <laughs> going upstairs. And my first thought was, oh, you're goose. You've ruined this moment in Australian <laughs> cricket history. Yeah, we won an Ashes that way, though, or retained an Ashes that way. So, yeah, a couple of couple of series ago. I, had, I don't know if you were back already at the Triple M Team Hotel, but they would have still been at um, Optus Stadium the team did you hear nathan sing the song i'm going to ask trav about this tomorrow about what that uh, that particular rendition was like 
Yeah, it would have been a good one. Um, I tell you what, the Nathan's one of those guys that he doesn't want it or everything about him. But yesterday was it was all about <laughs> him this this Test match. So yeah, I, I'm imagine the boys would have got around him and, and gave it a bit bit of energy in it. And that it would have been it would have been actually one of the songs that that you remember for your career. Yes, it's a great milestone, but it would have been all about him for for that split second and, and his teammates would have, would have got around him. And they're the special moments uh, you, you don't see. Um, yes, mm. it was a, a great achievement, but to get back in the change and with family and friends and you have a drink with them, you in, enjoy the moment. And, and it would be a bit of relief too to, to finally get it um, after having that timeout injury. But to sing the song, no one else is there, your teammates, your staff, uh, it would have been an emotional one for him. David Warner. What about emotion for him? When he, I don't know, calmed down, I don't know if that's the right term, but he not only silenced his critics, he, he told a few of them to shut up as, as soon as the century was posted. Do you think emotionally he, he gets to process that properly or Davey's not that kind of character? He just goes about his business 100 mile an hour and just gets on to the next thing? Yeah, well, his innings was extraordinary in the, the first day. Um, both him and um, Uzi played outstanding. That, that wicket had a lot to offer. Um, there, there was hard work in, in that first session. And and the way they went after the game, da- David looked as sharp as he has for oh, 24 months, actually. Um, his body was going through the boys, picking up length really quick, um, which is a good sign with, with David's batting. But th- those conditions were hard work. Oh, I don't know if there's... There's criticism about David Warner standing in the game. Um, I know there's been some opinion pieces ri- uh, written about him and his form over the the last 18 to 24 months, but I, I don't think anyone questions his stand in the game. Uh, he went past uh, Matthew Hayden and Michael Clark on the run scoring list. He, his innings was absolutely um, world class, but I, I think what it does do now, not only for him, but um, his team, it, it just shuts any talk uh, about when he's going mm. to finish. You, you don't want to go through the, the the Boxing Day test, which is a big event, the, the New Year's test in Sydney, and constantly answer questions. Not not only you, but but the, your teammates every time that they go to a presser, every time they they got to sit down and, and talk about the game. So what it does is allow everyone in the team uh, just to enjoy the, the next couple of test matches, celebrate a career of one of Australia's uh, great opening batters, and and just end a bit of the noise, which, which I think everyone was over, not only um, the Australian public, uh, but I thought David and his team as well. Fun fact for Davey from producer Sam, uh, he's only the 10th Aussie to score a tonne and a duck in the same test. So yeah, anyway, I know which one he'll take and what one everyone will remember as well. Hey, um, by chance, Triple M's very own Miss Johnson and Davey, um, was there any kind of interaction that you noticed or was it pretty much like a, a Soviet politician and a US politician. I don't know, about 1970, the height of the Cold War. <laughs> oh, wow, now we're getting deep. <laughs> it, it was a non-event, to, to be to be perfectly honest. Mitch was uh, uh, first on with, with us as, as day one started. He did the pitch report, uh, then he was straight up in, into the box, I, I think, with Tubby Taylor. He gave his, his opinion, as he did leading into the test match. He, he didn't back away from... Um, the things he'd said, but it, it was a non-event after that. Um, it was all about the game. He, he called uh, many sessions when, when David was out there, there batting and, and called what was in front of him. As we said, it was a 
an opinion piece. He he didn't back away with what he said. David came out and if he had to respond, no, I don't think he had to respond to anyone with the the stand he's already got in the game. He got he got a hundred, but what it did do it just ended a lot of noise and and we could get on with some cricket. It's quite funny outside looking into the the family, if you want to call it the family of Australian cricket. It was like two second cousins blueing, and they're just not going to talk yeah. to each other for a while. And if there's a family gathering like there was in Perth over the last couple of days, they'll just find ways to. They can exist without coexisting, if you know what I mean. Mate, you've seen in the sporting world, and especially in in cricket teams, not everyone gets on. What what they do do is, is respect what everyone brings to a team, and we've seen that for forever and a day, and that won't change. Um, the the Australian cricket team will, will move on when Davy finishes, and moved on when when Mitch finished, and moved on when we all finished, and, and there'll be new heroes. So yeah, people can cover this. You don't have to get on, but the common cause has always been to to get your hands on that that baggy green and lead the place, uh, the game as well in a better place. Hey, just one more observation from where you were sitting in the commentary box and it was pre-play and it was beautifully picked up by Jack and also Cal Ferguson in commentary. What the friggin' hell was going on with those security guards? They were just into it pre-play, weren't they, with the warm-up? It, <laughs> it was just a really, really intense warm-up. You, you know, you walk through the, <laughs> the local park and there's a group of people, uh, I, don't, I don't know what it's called, doing the fancy stretches uh, that yeah. your hand touches your um, shoulder and it goes back and it, it was just weird. But what we did find is, mate, we, we touch people everywhere, Triple M. They're all over it. They came up yeah. to us and said, oh, did you got us doing our warm-up? We said, we got you doing something. Uh, not sure <laughs> what it was, but we got you doing something. And the next day, oh, my gosh. <laughs> there was a lot of energy in their warm up. There was, I reckon, there was three hamstrings pulled because they they weren't in that good uh, that good a shape. But they got some serious energy. They were looking around for cameras, mate. They had the time of their life, and it, it was just disappointing that the test uh, finished a day early because we had Callum Ferguson. He was going to be right front row centre. He was about to go over and lead a warm up. So that that would have been uh, that would have been a really uh, interesting scenario as well. But uh, yeah, we touch everyone, Adam. They had a little bit of a cult following the the next day um, down on the on the fence with them when they did their warm up. But the the next day, mate, their en- energy and their intensity in their warm up, mate, that they were ready for that day four. Well, they took the pre workout, obviously, so they were they were amped for it. And and now the challenge is set, isn't it, Hats? For the I rest think they of the need series. L-carnitine, not the pre. They need the um, hydroxy <laughs> shred, not the um, <laughs> not the pre workout. Yeah, well, <laughs> them and me both. With uh, the MCG and the SCG, though, the challenge is now set for uh, those security guards to come up with something similar. Don't be boring. Don't be bland. Don't be beige. Get into it and app- provide some entertainment for the crowd before the real entertainment starts. And I think they're up to it as well, Hads. Yeah, well, I, I, the challenge think they are. I, I think we can get Callum Ferguson to, to run that. I know he, oh he he was very keen to get over there and, and help with warm-up. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, the, the MCG test match now has, has got a, a, it's got a bit more meaning than just the Boxing Day test match. So we, we can get the energy started from uh, the security guards, Adam. That will be a great start to the day and humorous. So, Mitch Marsh, back to the cricket. Player of the match, I thought, and we were interacting uh, after the day's play, that I thought Davey Warner was a little, little unlucky, but you um, plumped for Mitch. I don't know if you had a vote in all of this, Hads. I don't know who actually votes for it. You can tell me that. But uh, what it was was a fantastic performance from the Big Bison because it's, uh, yeah, 90, 63 not out at a, at a rate as well and the big wicket of Bubba Azam after feeling not great with the ball coming out of the hand. But uh, good performance from the big fella. 
Oh, I was outstanding from from the bias. And I, I tell you what, we spoke to him a couple of times uh, during the test match, and I tell you what, he's in a, a really, really good place. It, it reminds me similar when Uzi had his opportunity through injury or COVID, or I'm not sure what it was. I think Travis Head was out and and played this test match in Sydney, got back-to-back hundreds. And, and if you take the game away from Uzi now, you go, you know what, I've, I've had a good um, ride. I've done everything I can. But Mitch Marsh is just at the top of his game. Um, mentally, physically, I mean, he looks a great specimen at the moment. He's a big unit. He looks ripped up. But it's a style of game that he's playing at, at number six now. This is what we've known about Mitch's game for, for so long, the freedom that he can play with. And I play with a lot of players that have some serious power. Shane Watson comes to mind, um, Andrew Roy Simons as well. But no one hits the ball as hard as Mitch Marsh. And, and now he's going out in the test match and he's playing with a clear head. He, he's not trying to play like anyone else. And yet the 90 was outstanding. The, the way he took the game on and they lost a couple of wickets and he kept the momentum going. And that's the big thing he's offering with the Australian cricket team now. The, the momentum in the game keeps moving forward. But it was a second innings knock for, for me, Adam. That that week it was hard work. He, he copped two in the mm. head. Um, Smith copped a couple. Um, Marnus copped one in his hand. Kawaja one on the elbow. And at number six, you, you've got to watch all that happen in front of you. So to, to walk out and play as brave as he did on the on that surface, he, he picked up length really quickly and he looked to play the, the square, the wicked shots with, with great power and, and brutality. But it, it was... The, the way he kept playing his natural game, even though the surface was uncomfortable, he got hit a couple of times. He got a really ugly one, actually, where he walked into the ball and it clipped the side of his helmet. But he, he's at the top of his game. Um, you, you could hear him in the stump mic. He's, he's got a, a lot of advice for, for his teammates out there. There's a, a lot of laughter. He got the big wicket of Baba. But the one thing that stood out for me is every time the crowd seen him on the big screen, when he walked out to bat, when the ball went into his hand, and, and we spoke to him about it. Like, it's a pretty special moment when you, your whole um, state are behind you. And every kid, I, I did a session on the on the hill, and every kid had bison T-shirts. They could only fit half his head on it, but they had bison T-shirts. <laughs> it was all, all about him. Um, he's the only Western Australian in the team, and, and they love him over there. It, and it was good watching Swampy and Sean sit there and, and watch him get close to 100. Oh, mm. We've seen the footage in, in the the Ashes. Well, I think they were in Bali for um, Sosa's uh, 40th and, and they went nuts in, in the bar, but but it didn't look like they were enjoying one ball. <laughs> they were sitting there. <laughs> Swamp needed uh, uh, about 10 cans to calm himself down. So, no, <laughs> it was a great test match for him. And, and I'm so happy that he's uh, fulfilling his potential now. Was that his excuse, was it? The, uh, he was nervous for his son. Um, <laughs> Cam Green, it it came out a bit last week that everyone was putting their hand up to say, well, I'm not going to open. Mitch Marsh, Travis Head, I'm not I'm not doing it. Um, Marnus, there was even rumour going around that Marnus wasn't. So you might have to wait for another crack now that Mitch is very much in form and in, uh, in favour. Yeah, and, and that's a good thing. Um, that, that's a good that you have quality players like, like Cameron Green on, on the sideline. And and I, I, he won't want to be there. He want to be inside the, the Australian cricket bubble and he's in the, the bubble to a certain extent because he's still in the, the squad of 12. But... I don't think it's a bad thing that he's having some time off. I think that the enormity of, of being on the road, going to IPL, going to England, coming back to India and having six months away really caught up with him. I think he'll be able to sit down now, take stock of, of where his game's at, work on some things he, he needs. So it's hard to work on uh, technical parts of your game um, when you're on the road all the time and you get caught up in the bubble. So we're going to see a lot of test cricket from Cameron Green. It might be at, at number one. It, it might be um, the first test to... 
against the West Indies when when David Warner retires. He, he's definitely got the the numbers in first class cricket to su- suggest he's the next best batsman in. So he, he'll get his chance. Okay, Hats, before we get to Pakistan and then our rises and falls a bit later, a, a few more about the the Aussies and their performance. Alex Carey uh, with the gloves. You're the, the doyen when it comes to having a look at a keeper's performance. It looked good to the untrained eye. He's now got a 100-test dismissal in his 26 tests. It took you 25. We said before the series, will he get to 18 for the series? He's up to seven after the first one. He looks sharp. What do you make of his performance? Well, to a trained eye, he, he was outstanding. Um, there was tough conditions uh, for a wicketkeeper with the inconsistent bounce. And and, and when that happens, you, you, you talk a lot about the bowler's length. Uh, the batters having to be brave to to get in front of it and take a few on the body. But as a wicketkeeper, you, you've probably got to come up a, an, an extra metre or metre and a bit closer than you normally would because you, you don't want that little feather of the one that hits the crack and doesn't bounce. They get a bit of wood on it that it doesn't carry to you. But then the next one hits the other side of the crack and goes high nearly over your head. So I, I think Alex's keeping, is he's really simplified his technique. Uh, he, he looked outstanding, took some two really sharp stumpings, he was brave, had to take a couple on the body um, with them rolling through. But, yeah, he's, he's test, his keeping's never been in question, I, I don't think. I, I thought he had as good a series as any wicketkeeper can have in, in India. Um, he had that time in, uh, in in England where the, the best, I think, probably weighed him down. Um, a bit was probably the first time in, in his career that he'd been around any sort of controversy or, or had the spotlight just solely on on him for any period of the time. And, and he's not that sort of player. He likes to go about his business. He, his batting was really good too. I mean, he only got 30, but as a keeper, he, he was he was in a partnership to change momentum. Um, he, he put on over 90 with, with Mitch Marsh, and, and that's your role. He, sometimes you, you've got to take your medicine, get to the other end, and, and let the bison hit the ball wherever he wanted to. So, um, yeah, he had a really good test match, and, and it's a great milestone too, just to tick a little one off, uh, 100 dismissals. Um, yeah, it, it's, a, it, it's a good one to... Just to, to reaffirm his position in the Australian team, he lost his spot in the one-day um, setup, but his form in Test cricket's been first class. Yeah, that, that partnership was, uh, I wouldn't say imperative, wouldn't change the result maybe given what happened to Pakistan in the fourth innings, but it, it did twist it heavily away from Pakistan's favour uh, on the second morning. Just on also the 13-man squad for the Boxing Day test, there's only one change. Lance Morris is out of the squad. There's nothing he's done wrong, I'd say, but they would have liked having him in camp and, and getting a good look at him. And you always talk about the habits of preparing for a test, getting get, giving him the opportunity to, to view that close. Mark his fingers okay, but but Morris, did you hear any tales of of terror? Uh, Travis Head touched on it as well about how he kind of uh, made an Im- impression, if he did at all, in the week that he spent with the Aussie team. Well, he definitely made an impression. I, I, I watched a little bit of his bowling from afar in the nets, and, that, and it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> what it, Mitch Johnson type when he's angry? Uh, Brett Lee type when he's angry? He, he'll get to that stage. That they were pretty two unique characters that really wanted to hurt you every ball, and and were, were fast enough to and skillful enough to do that. But he, he was he's got some genuine pace, um, and. and you know what? He's been left out of this uh, test match, this boxing day. I, I don't mind that. Um, if someone gets injured, he'll, he'll come back in. He's he's still a, in the plans of the Australian cricket team. But he's been around a week. His training intensity would have, would have jumped a lot. He would have seen firsthand uh, a close look at the, the big three. How good are they going on another subject? But he would have had a good look at, at them. And, and now it's about taking those habits that he learned and that hunger to be involved in that system more and more 
to back to whatever cricket he plays. If he if he goes back for a grade game, aim up there, get wickets. If he if he goes to big bash, bowl fast, intimidate oppositions, and and show the the Australian public that I want to be back in that setup. And he can show that now with his behaviours. He had a taste of it. Now his behaviours about getting wickets and showing how much he wants to be in there. We're going to have a quick breath here on Willow Talk. Back in a moment to talk about Pakistan and our rises and fallers and a special stat about those big three, big four, if you include Mr. 500, Nathan Lyon. So Hads Pakistan looked like they were hanging on the longer the test went and then it just all collapsed in a heap on that last day. But we're positive people, so we'll start with the positives. A couple of their bowl, I like the look of Shazad, who troubled... Yep some of the better batters in the Australian lineup, and Jamal took a, uh, a stack of wickets. So if, if Shaheen can start taking some wickets, they're, they're in business a bit with the ball. Yeah, I thought the two debutants did a really good job. Obviously, Jamal got the the, the six wickets on debut, but Shadad um, was the one the Aussies spoke about. They said he was real hard work, and, and they, they were probably a bit nervous that first session. Um, you can understand that with two debutants, and they probably missed their length, and had two world-class batters jump on them. But as the test match went on, they found their length. They, they found it a, a bit of their happy place, if, if you want to call it that, with, with test cricket. They didn't try to overplay their hand. But the next two surfaces will suit Pakistan. Um, this surface, this is as, as foreign as it can get. And at, at times, they did well with the bat. Uh, they batted a 100 overs in, in the first innings. That They probably could have been a little bit more proactive trying to get off strike and not giving Australia batsmen the opportunity to to build a lot of dot balls up on them, but that, that'll come. The, the one thing I like, actually, that they've asked for a practice game um, that, that wasn't in the schedule. They, they lost a practice day in Canberra when the, the covers got blown off and that they needed some more cricket scenario to over training. So they, they've gone away and asked Cricket Australia, who have said yes, and they're going to have a, a couple of day practice game in Victoria. So they're, they're hungry to, to get better in these conditions, but they've got some really exciting batters. Uh, obviously, Baba didn't, Get, get the runs we want. The, the Bison was too good for him, but they, they've got a good top five. They've got some young quicks. If Afridi can bowl with uh, aggression, he did at times during the test match, intimidate Australia and get the ball to swing, then he can be a handful. But yeah, the, the conditions were foreign. They fell over at the end, which was tough conditions in, in the last innings that they didn't really, really like. But um, there's some good fast bowling on, on show there. But They've got some signs that they, they can work on. They've got a lot of work to, to do com- to compete with this Australian team. They've got to do it for longer, but they'll enjoy the, the surface of the MCG in the SCG a lot better than they did the one in Perth. Yeah, Junction Oval is the venue for that uh, match against the Victorian second eleven, if you like. But it's taking on the complexion of a very strong side. Peter Hanscom, Marcus Harris, Will Pukowski apparently going to play. So Buck Rogers has obviously made the ring around and said, boys, um, can you help us out before Christmas? And a few of them have come uh, come to the good and said, yeah, no worries, because you, you're right about that pitch. At, at Monica, the pitch for their warm-up game was like about as foreign on Australian soil as you could get from the one in Perth. And then maybe they might get a bit of a more dead-looking surface for the Junction Oval for for time in the middle because they're, they're top five, especially in that second innings. That was just a, a massive letdown. I thought Hads going in that that was their strength. The bowling was going to be the, the big worry. But, yeah, that, that top five have, have simply got to find a way to get a lot better and, and somehow get to 300, 350 without having to engage the tail. And just going back to that tour game, do you, what about throwing Lance Morris into that just to ruffle some feathers? Mate, give him an opportunity to, to bowl against uh, international batters. 
And yes, they want to have a uh, practice game, which is great uh, match scenario. So what, what about throwing 150 Ks out there as match scenario? So a WA happy to give Lance Morris a, a, a navy blue cap to wear for a couple of days? And wear a floppy, but mate, if it's uh, <laughs> all in the, the spirit of – there's a lot of big bash going on. I know whether he's got a big bash game, but um, mate, yeah. if, they, if they want a practice game, mate, get Lance Morris in there. That – Imagine turning up to a practice game. I just want to get some match scenarios and, and Lance uh, Morris is breathing thaw at the top of the mark. <laughs> no, I'm sure Abdullah Shafiq would just absolutely love that. He'd, he'd find it very amusing. Fantastic. Anyway, here's an interesting one. Australia are four and zip at Perth Stadium but have won the toss every time. What about this idea? UK County Cricket trial doing away with the toss if the visiting team wanted to bowl first, but if they wished to bat, the toss would take place. Could you ever see that being a factor in international cricket? So like the English are overthinking it again. <laughs> Four, that's a faller out. <laughs> no, not having it. No, no, no. You fine with how the toss is done these days? Just keep it. Yep. Yep. Stood I'm the fine with time. how the toss. Yep. Next. Next. Bloody English. <laughs> how do? Though the this Pakistan top five, top six, if you want to include the keeper as well, how do they combat just getting no respite from whatever polling, bowling change Pat Cummings, Cummins comes up with? Because at the moment, the four strike bowlers are just on fire. Yeah, they, they've got to find a way to put pressure back on, on the Australian bowlers, and that doesn't have to be hit two or three boundaries and and go after the game that way. It's got to be being proactive at the crease. Look for opportunities. Work with your partner at the other end saying, we don't want the Australians to have 12 balls, 18 balls in a row at us. We've got to find a way to rotate the strike. And if you do that, naturally you'll, you'll then get some more scoring opportunities to find the boundary. So they've got to recognise those moments. And, and when you talk about playing attacking aggressive cricket, it's not hitting fours and sixes all the time. It's it's showing in your body language that you want to get it up to the other end, looking to the to the bowler like you're in the contest and want to make something happen. And that's what I think they have to do. They've got to recognize those moments. Don't let Australia build a lot of dot ball pressure up because if they do that, they're, they're, they're going to get them. It's as simple as that. If if you have to face 18 dot balls in, in a row against any of these four bowlers, that they're going to get you. So they've got to recognize that those moments. And aggressiveness needs to look a little bit different. It's not just block, block then swing for four or six. It's getting to the other end, taking the ones on offer, running well between the wickets. That, that was scary at times with um, old Huck. It must be in the name oh. uh, with the running between wickets. It, it looked like they could get run out every other ball, but that's what they've got to do. They've got to find a way to, to get to the other end. Imam um, Al-Huck, I've seen Wombats cross highways with greater urgency than him wanting to even consider knowing about running between the wickets. Did you see how he's backing up? No, no, no. He was standing there. You yeah. can't call that backing up. And then at one stage, I swear to God, Babrazam just gave him a massive spray and he just looked at him and just shrugged his shoulders and go, well, this is me. Take me for what I am type thing. It's like, well, oh, my goodness. It's interesting you say that because that's the aggressive approach that they need to have. They, they've got to get those little things right. Their, their catching was horrible. Um, they, they dropped uh, Uzum Kawaja earlier. Catch should have been taken. They dropped chances and, and they missed run out. So they, they've got to make sure that – all that part of their game. And that's an attitude thing um, they've ticked. Yes, they can have match scenarios and and they can talk a lot in team meetings, have a lot of nets and um, hit balls, but they've got to get your running between the wickets right, their fielding right, their intensity around wanting to make a difference on every play 
when they're bowling and batting. And, and if they do that, naturally things will start to, to pan out in front of them and the game will move forward at the pace they need to to maybe be competitive against his Australian team. Well, let's get to risers and fallers. And the, the, the first riser is about the, the big four bowlers for Australia. Start Cummins, Hazelwood, Lyon. 390 wickets playing together. Uh, Rick Finlay put on Twitter, um, the great statistician, he put up a great great stat about the fact that they're closing in on the record of Anderson Broad, Moen Alley and uh, Ben Stokes. When those four have played together for England in test matches, they've taken uh, 416 wickets as a group. So they're closing in on that. The, the fascinating thing is, though, Hads, and we were talking about it, I think, on a recent episode, is the fact that there's this mystique about Warren McGrath, Gillespie, Lee about how good they were as a quartet. But they're, like, this current mob, they're already 125 ahead of them. They're on 265 as a group. Yeah, and I think, obviously, the finish line for, for these four is, is endless. They're, they've still got a bit of cricket in. But the one thing they do better than any other um, quartet that, that's played together is they complement each other. You've got the swing and pace of, of Mitchell Stark, um, who's as good as anyone in the world and knocking the tail over. Uh, you've got Josh Hazelwood just gives you nothing, and and, and Paddy Cummins can play different roles. He, he can he he's a momentum bowler where he can recognise the moment, turn it up a couple of k's, come back at, and, and play a holding role. So he he's, he adds a, a lot because he can play so many different roles. And then you have got Nathan Lyon, uh, five hundred Test wickets, and, and probably the most important bowler in that group. We we seen that during the Ashes when they they were two 0 up here. He left and they lost the remaining Test matches. So. The, the big thing for me is that they just complement each other and, yeah, it, it's relentless. Where, where do you hide? You, you get through Hazelwood and um, Camo, then Stark comes back and Stark comes off and Lyon comes on and, and all of a sudden the, the big Bison comes on and, and gets the, the key wicket of, 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 of Baba. So, mate, they, they complement each other so well. Another riser, Harry Brook, 24 off the last over to beat the Windies in a T20 international. It's pretty good. Not bad. Have you got a riser, Hats? Um, oh, Nate, I've got to go Nathan Lyon. I know it's the obvious one, but... It's very Nathan, obvious. Yeah. From the, growing up in Young, famous for their cherries, now famous for Nathan Lyon. There'll be a statue in the main street very in, in the not-too-distant future. I've got on pretty good authority that there's already one made. Nathan's just a bit hesitant about getting it put up. But get it up, mate. He's a country boy through and through. He loves playing for Australia as much as anyone. He got given the team song after about 20 tests in, which is a sign of character from his teammate when Huss hand over. So I, I know it's obvious, but um, Nathan Lyon. With the statue hats, do you know what it's like? Is it him at the, the you know, the axis of his release, like at release point with his delivery or is it his follow through or is it like how he likes to appeal to big wickets, which is basically like <laughs> sitting on the wicket and just pleading with the guy in front of him, please give me something like he did to Illingworth yes, oh, on yeah, Sunday. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what sort of statue there, whether he got it made or, or not, but mate, could be sitting on a roller, could be uh, pushing a <laughs> um, lawnmower <laughs> from, uh, from uh, those humble beginnings. So yeah, but get get the statue up for him. Sitting on a Toro at Adelaide Oval. How good. <laughs> Fallers, Hads. Unfortunately, yep. I'm going to have to name Perth as a test venue here in terms of people there. I know they're trying their best and they're, Cricket Australia are trying their, a few things to call it the West Test and have the, the hill there and it looked a good vibe there, but they just need more people through the gate. And I know it's hard when it's 35 degrees and you've got better things to do with your time, but 60,000 for a few days. So I did some, did some uh, stats and some research, which is unusual. 
But back in 2017, the last test at the WAC was an Ashes test. Granted, they had 90,000 through the gate. And then they knew right after that, and Christine Matthews in charge of WA Cricket at the time said, look, we're moving everything to Perth Stadium. That's the future. That's where it's going to be. The next year, a really good test match against India, same aggregate crowd, 90,000. And it's hard to judge in the last few years because of COVID, so we'll leave that out. But I don't know I don't know what they do because it didn't look great, to be honest, on TV, the um, the, the sp- the spread of the crowd and especially in the sun they didn't want to sit in the sun so i don't know it's a bit of a head scratcher yeah it's a beautiful stadium obviously optus stadium but if you put that crowd in in at the whacker the the atmosphere just jumps doesn't it it's packed there's not a lot of uh shade there was obviously um a pretty tired stadium the the whacker but you're right um they, they need to find a way to to get bums on seats over here yeah, the, the Wacker is undergoing a redevelopment. It's only going to be a 10,000-seater stadium, so they can't really take international cricket back there, even though in 2017 Cricket Australia said, a spokesman said, if we're going to average 15,000, that's the forecast for the game, we're not going to play it at Perth Stadium. It'll be at the Wacker. But things have changed since. I just wonder why they, they put that 10,000 limit at the new Wacker. Anyway, it is what it is. Time goes on, Hans. Have you got a faller? Not a couple, actually. Richard Illingworth. Oh, I know I brought yep. that up. Mate, get involved in the moment. Give it out. Let the whole, let everyone <laughs> cheer. If the batter wants to then go upstairs, we get a double dose of celebrations. But it felt like a little bit of an anti-climax to, to start. Um, it was plum. We all knew it was plum. Give the thing out and let uh, let Nathan Lyon and the Australian public have their moment. <laughs> You're into so, it. And mm-hmm. what's your other four? Well, you, you know, I like to get up and go for a jog or a walk in the morning. Mate, the... The cyclists over here are the most aggressive people I've ever met in my life. Yeah, I stay left, I do the right thing. Mate, they're the amount of abuse you cop when they come past you. What, what's that movie where Adam Sandler throws a stick out and hit his kid? <laughs> Not sure, um, mate. I, I, I had um, I, Big Daddy actually. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Big Daddy. I, I, yeah. I was just thinking after about day four, I, I've had enough of this bullshit. I'm, I'm about the bloody drop an elbow or bloody throw a stick out. What's your menace, so, please? What, what's, what's worse, cyclists in Perth or magpies in spring? Cyclists in Perth. Because they're aggressive. Magpies in spring, that's kind of this, give me a guide yeah, about this is the new level. you face. This is new okay. level. Fair enough. It's normally the ones, though, in, in the pack that all dress the same. It wasn't <laughs> so much the, the ones in a pack that had different leotards on or whatever they want to call them, but... It's the ones that dress the same. Yeah, they think they're part of Lance Armstrong's US Postal Service back in the late 90s, all in the same uniform. Anyway, <laughs> a fall or two end with here, Hads, and, and we'll go back to England cricket because we just like doing this. They got beaten by 347 runs by India. So you've a lot of sympathy from your good self about England losing another one, but it does sit up nicely, the Australian women, and we will speak to Elisa Healy later in the week when, uh, yeah, Australia take on India starting Thursday, that test match. So... That'll be a good battle between those two. Be a great battle. We'll speak to the new Australian captain. Jeez, I hope she bats up the order. I don't think she will. I'd love to see her in India playing a similar role to, to Travis Head. I would hope that the India captain makes a weight at the toss so she can use her line that she used on our podcast last week is, did you get it all out? So we'll wait and see if she actually unfurls <laughs> that little banner. But Hads, before we next speak, there's going to be plenty happening. You're doing a cross-country jaunt. You're doing a bit of big bash and you've got an IPL auction that you're kind of involved with. So there'll be plenty to talk about later in the week. Look forward to it, mate. Mate, can't wait. Stay safe. 
That was Brad Haddon. I was Adam Peacock. And that was Willow Talk. Have a good one. We'll speak soon. And don't forget, Travis Head tomorrow. We'll be back Thursday. And if you want to go backwards on your feed, Nathan Lyon, going through the art of off-spin bowling. Mr. 500, how he did it. Mr. 500.